From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we try to find some joy in Mudville after a bad week of Guardians baseball, but we also get to look back at a really exciting and fun U.S. Open. We close the show with our annual summer movie preview and our first ever one-ear wonder our short shot review of a new band and new album. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, any idea what you were doing seven years ago today? Quick math on that. Seven years ago, 2016. Uh, yes, I was celebrating the Cleveland Cavaliers championship right. yeah. on Father's Day. Yes, I do remember. Thank you for reminding me, though. <laughs> you, you, you are welcome, Chuck. Do you remember that? I, I yeah, vaguely. It was uh, <laughs> just a memory. No, I remember exactly what I was doing, um, and thinking that it was the best early birthday present I ever got. That's right. I remember celebrating Father's Day with my family early in the day, and then all of them leaving the house for a three-hour period so I could watch Game 7 and the Cavs win the only title Cleveland has had other than a bunch of soccer ones during our lifetimes. But let's get rolling with the show with that good vibe. And, oh, boy. <laughs> Guardians week, Cap. Our look back at last week's Guardians baseball. Well, fuck. Like Leon Lett, we celebrated too early. Oh, no. Guards good last week turned bad and then got worse. The Padres took out the whooping sticks to win two of three early in the week. Guards were snake bit in Arizona, losing two of three to the Diamondbacks and losing Tristan McKenzie to the 15-day IL. Guards are 33 and 38, but only two and a half games out of first place. Guards got shut out once, held to one run another time, Gave up four home runs in a game. Bieber got banged around. McKenzie is out. There were several roster moves. We're going to get to them. And overall, it was a two and four week. This felt like a really hard punch to the stomach. Am I being too dramatic? No, I don't think so. It's, uh, it's kind of like a one one step forward, one step back. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to go two steps, but the, the starting picturing was bunk all week long. And then the surprise bull, like surprise bullpen game. You're never going to win that game. <laughs> so Tukey yeah, Tuason yeah, couldn't get a cool it name. Done. Sounds Our like a boy Browns linebacker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there were times where the offense showed it, it was inept again. And, and, but then you end the week where they tie for the most runs scored all season. So, Really frustrating week. Yes, it feels like I got gut punched, um, mostly because the pitching was just just so blah. It it does feel like a punch in the. I mean, we we end the week and we're no worse off than when we started it. Right, we're two and a half games back just because the Twins also suck right now. So thank God for that. But but then you look at it like just, had they just gone three and three, we'd be a game out, game and a half out. Right, like it's 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 tough. They did all their scoring in two games, uh, you know, fairly typical of the guardians to this point in this year. And in the other games, the pitching just wasn't there. I mean, we weren't getting these guys out of the third or fourth inning. Uh, Chuck uh, alluded to the surprise bullpen game. I think there were two other games that looked like bullpen games because the guy, they, they got like three yeah. and a third through the game and then you're into the bullpen and we lost two of those games, six to three. We were in both of them, but you never really felt like you had a chance. So it was a tough week going in, where you thought, all right, we're starting to play better against good teams. Let's go at least 
even Steven against these two good teams. And honestly, we won the last game of each of the series. I almost feel glad they got two wins out of that six games, the way they were playing. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of felt like a little, little uh, jab to the, to the, to, not to the junk, but to the gut. Yeah. Gut punch. <laughs> it's not as bad as a shot to the junk, but it's still pretty demoralizing. Like it just felt like they played like shit all week long. You know, the, the, the pitching was bad. Okay, great. You scored 12 runs on Sunday, but in the games before that, you were barely scratching out three. And like I said, there were there games where you were barely scoring at all. And you had hoped, I think, after the last two weeks before that, that things were finally coming around and we'd get excited about the Guardians. And I don't know, this doesn't feel like just one step back to me. This this felt bad. And then you throw the McKenzie injury on top of it. We're gonna we're gonna get to that, but it just seemed like everything went wrong all at once this week for the guardians and it's a bummer that stinks on to some of the good news the guards designated mike zanino for assignment ending that free agent mess do you think this happened because bo naylor is just too good to keep in triple a or because zanino is just such a disaster in every facet possible uh, i kind of think it was the zanino is a disaster i'm not saying bo naylor's not you know the heir apparent and he's and he's not ready to come up to the show he's good but he you know by, by all accounts they really were trying to hope hope to keep him down there a little longer to kind of refine his his ability to call a game to to manage the game that side of it not not his stick not his defense but just managing the pitching staff i, I guess all the pitchers he managed at triple a are up with the team now though so why not move him up right like here we go like, these are all guys <laughs> you know how to catch anyway but i think it was zanino was just a disaster i mean this was a guy that was an offensive stud before his thoracic outlet syndrome surgery and and just wow <laughs> dr lay people, Danko. Lay people. that's yeah. a that's a uh that's still think a, you're the best dad ever chuck <laughs> you I couldn't know. even say those three words <laughs> he's, he's the best dad but i might be the best physical therapist on the podcast <laughs> maybe i don't know at least second best so um, <laughs> we got the guy because it was he was an offensive guy right and he was so bad offensively it, it, he was like a a rally killer for for the entire season so i think you just cut cut bait there and when your best catcher is david fry who i'm not even sure that's his first position i don't think it is i don't no, think it is either no he but it was he's decidedly our best catcher you just kind of move on and i guess i'll take the same approach i do with the browns it's not my six million dollars so see you later <laughs> i'm a little more gun shy than that phil's cavalier attitude because <laughs> Typically, this organization doesn't spend that kind of money. And when they do, they're rarely wrong. And this was just really wrong. So it's the latter, what you're asking. He was just brutal in all facets of the game. And it's when the the chatter is about defensively how disappointed everyone is in him. It just, you know, like the, the position itself in Cleveland hasn't been all that great for, for quite some time when it comes to offense. But he wasn't even doing it there. Maybe one week we justified his bad play behind the plate because he had one week where he hit really well. Uh, so yeah, cutting bait with him, I guess is, 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 was the best move, but just absolutely brutal. And maybe when they saw Fry could, could catch, even though he's not really a catcher <laughs> and, and you're still going to carry three catchers on your roster and maybe three equal one decent catcher. I'm not sure, but I, I guess I'm happy to see that guy go. And I never thought I'd say that. I thought he was a great signing this year. Yeah. I think we were all excited hoping that it was going to work out, but it's been clear now for a while that it wasn't. And I think you guys are right. I think we're all in agreement on this. 
I, I think if that guy had done anything at the plate or at least been serviceable defensively, I think they wanted to keep Naylor in AAA longer, maybe until the second half of the year, maybe until like rosters expand in September or something like that. And I think they just finally had to say, if we have any chance of winning games, we got to do something. We got to fix this. And I don't know. You know, it seems strange to me that they haven't tried a Med Rosario behind the plate. <laughs> why they just went to this Freeman? <laughs> well, why not consider that? Why not consider anything other than poor Mike Zanino just never had it? Uh, and it's it's too bad because I think we all thought it was worth a shot. And I think we all probably think they held on to him a little bit too long. But the Bo Naylor era begins. Let's go, Bo. Moving on, Josh Bell. Speaking of signing free agents and always being right. <laughs> last 15 games, he's hitting 263, but he only has two home runs and only five RBIs. Is this guy next in line to get cut? I don't think he's going to get cut. A best case scenario because he's he's not panning out either, and that was a big contract. Can you can you package him? Is he a guy you attach to Bieber? Possibly. Oh, another possible Shane Bieber guy. I'm trying. Right. I'm trying to think of how do we cut some dead weight with Bieber. Bieber's not dead weight, but yeah, I thought he he turned him. Well, two home runs isn't all that bad considering his pace this year. But still, I understand what you're saying because whatever day that was. um Was that Thursday? He's just like a black hole. He was over four. He had three Ks. Yeah. Uh, and and we, you can't you can't have games like that. So I don't think they cut him. How much money is owed to that? He makes the Zanino contract look paltry. Yeah, I think he's something like twelve or fourteen million. And I mean, here's really the kicker, and maybe this is why this is an easy question to answer. I, I think he's got this year and next year guaranteed. So <laughs> <laughs> is he the next to go? I man, I don't know. Like statistically. Is he even better than Fran Mill? I I don't know. Like I I the two sixty three in the last fifteen games sounds good. That's what we wanted out of Josh Bell. Two sixty three would be okay if in those fifteen games he had seven home runs and twelve RBIs. Yeah. Right? He has no power. The guy I've I haven't seen like the last Cleveland baseball player to have that many excuse me singles was Willie Mays Hayes. I think. I mean, it is ridiculous how he tops the ball and he's like, all right, he just got a single. On an, on an infield hit. This is not why we signed this guy. Yeah. So the salary is an interesting point, though. I feel like they probably hang on to him to, I mean, who else you're putting in the middle of the lineup? They're going to hang on to him for a while and, and see what they can do. I'm sure we'll get to it. I'm I'm completely reversed field on my, on my trade Bieber stance now. <laughs> completely, 180. And we can talk about it if you like. So I can't package him with Bieber for Mookie Betts just yet. I think they should probably move Josh Bell to like the two hole in the order. <laughs> And just let him slap singles and move <laughs> yeah, runners along yeah. and stuff like push that. Him up, he'll push be, him into scoring position. He'll be, he'll be perfect at that. I have a feeling that just because of the money, he's never going anywhere. Uh, I don't think you can trade him. I don't think you can cut him when you're the Guardians and you can't invest that much money into a player and not have him on the team. So I think Josh Bell's probably sticking around. More good news. Tristan McKenzie is on the IL with a sprained elbow and an inflamed ulnar collateral ligament. According to doctors on the internet, that means he might need Tommy John surgery. How concerned are you right now for the rest of this guy's season? Very. Season? Career? Put me on the list for both. I don't think they're saying that he's, like, torn something. Well, I don't think that's it. It's like, so they're you're considering really, like, Tommy career John concerned? If they're considering Tommy John surgery, well, which that's according a lot to of, doctors on Twitter. I, 
And oh. I don't know if that's real. That you was said a the joke. internet. I thought that meant WebMD or something. I don't know. No, Those guys know they're no, talking I didn't about. look it up on WebMD. <laughs> you didn't say Twitter. I didn't know Elon <laughs> Musk was giving us our, our diagnosis for uh for Tristan. Not McKinney. even somebody that smart. Uh, well, certainly I am concerned for this this season because the, the guy is you know, his initial injury is is a tough one to kind of come back from just because you, you have to rest and let it heal. And then as you're ramping back up, you know, how are things how are things moving? And are you putting undue stress on your elbow, which it sounds like he did. <laughs> so here yeah. we are. Uh, you stress that ulnar collateral ligament. That is something that it, it, you start to tear it a bit with the repetitive stress of, of throwing. And yeah, you need Tommy John surgery. Now, these days you have Tommy John surgery. You come back a year later or two year and a half later and you're you're OK. But I don't know. You guys tell me, has Tristan McKenzie proven he can stay healthy ever? I don't know. Have we seen a year where he's been healthy yet? I don't think we have. You know, he yeah. ended last year strong, but he was hurt for the first half. So that has me concerned and kind of why I'm reversing field on my trade Bieber as soon as possible stands. Yeah, I'm extremely concerned for the reasons Phil's saying. He's He's been injured predominantly uh this season and, and it sounds like either it's going to be naggy um 15 day you come Charlie back Nagy? And yeah, <laughs> yeah might be. Saying, <laughs> Nagy, Nagy's coming back could yes. be dude's dude's 60 <laughs> uh and does it does something like this phil would know better flare up again a month from now or sure. eight weeks from now uh so yeah that, that it makes me really nervous uh but i haven't reversed stance like phil is about holding on the beaver it does start to feel like this is one of those lost seasons that pitchers have every once in a while where the injuries just kind of stack up and stack up and they never get it together for the season. And, and I'm I'm starting to worry that that's what's coming for McKenzie. Uh, even if this doesn't require surgery, if it's something that's going to continue to plague him for the rest of the season, that's really going to limit a guy that we all thought was ready to be an all-star this year. I think he might've been my crush at the beginning of the year. Like I really expected him to have a big season and I'm still with Chuck on trading Shane Bieber, <laughs> even with McKenzie maybe not being around the way we need him to this season, just for the future. I think Bieber's unfortunately got to go, but let's try to find something good here. Our MVG, our most valuable guard of the week, Josh Gonads Naylor. <laughs> hit 333, had nine hits, had five RBIs. He now leads all first basemen in the major leagues in RBIs. Next one, Ahmed, don't call me player two in the Bieber deal, Rosario. <laughs> hit 400, 10 hits. The bullpen, Classe, Heron, Morris, Stefan, and some guy named Daniel Norris all had 0.00 ERAs this week. Last one, the Minnesota Twins. They lost three of four to the Detroit Tigers this week. They were five and five in their last 10 games. They're doing everything to keep the guards in this. So who's your MVG? Uh, which Nads version did you give him this week? <laughs> Go Nads. Go Nads. I'm, I'm going back to back weeks with him for the reason you're saying too. I, uh, he's leading first baseman in RBIs. He's hitting really well this year. He should probably be an all-star. Like that's how well he's playing this year. There wasn't much else to celebrate. The bullpen numbers are great, but still they lost a lot of games, so it doesn't matter. So I'm going to go with Go Nads. I like that every week there's a different Nads nickname. I actually need the guy. I need, <laughs> yeah. I need the guy to cool down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting him on this list. Go Nads Naylor is a, gr a great choice, but I'm going to give it to Emmanuel Classe for this reason. He, he achieved a four-out, a much-needed four-out save in the third game against San Diego where – 
the Guardians had scored five of their eight runs in the top half of the first inning and then went the rest of the game with hardly scoring any runs. And you had no, at least I had no faith that we were going to keep the Padres from just scoring as the game went on. And they bring class A in to get one out in the eighth and then the three outs in the ninth. And he just, he just mowed through those guys. I'm like, all right, that was dominant. We at least got out of there with a win. That was huge. And I was looking forward to sweeping the Diamondbacks after that. Can't believe that didn't work out. (laughs) I'm going with the Minnesota Twins. Thank you so much for being so bad last week, because that really is the silver lining in the week for the guards that somehow we're only two and a half out, even though we played like poop all week long. Moving on to next week, I think things are looking up. (laughs) The absolute worst Oakland Athletics come to town on their farewell tour for three games followed by the barely over 500 Brewers for another three. If the guards have a losing week, are you picking up a new hobby for the summer to replace watching and listening to baseball regularly? Not until you just suggested it, but I, I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good option. The, the right teams to be playing, even though I think Oakland's 5-5 five and five in their last 10, uh, and Owen Miller's having a hell of a season with the Brewers, I believe. That would have been a nice guy to hang on to, um, even though we didn't want him here. Uh, no, we were happy when he left. Yeah. So it should be a winning week. If the pitching writes the ship, you get some offense, you should beat these teams. So I may have more free time, though, this summer, which always sounds nice. But I think I'll still be committed to this team after this week. If the Guardians can spread their offensive explosion out more evenly over these six games, <laughs> they can go four and two. They can do it. They can do it. They they, they really need to go four and two. And we may gain six games on the Twins if we go four and two. I don't even think that's mathematically possible. But, <laughs> you know, that's how it's going. So, yeah, this is the week, man. If they don't have a winning week with these matchups, um, I, I don't know what my next hobby this summer is going to be. It's going to be a sad day in my house. No baseball to really look forward to. I, I'm not making that call yet. I'm not quite ready for it yet either but they better win some games or else i'm going to be really sad next week when we record this show i'm not quite ready to dedicate the rest of my summer only to my lawn i, I still want to be <laughs> watching baseball and, and cheering for our guardians so for fuck's sake get it together guards <laughs> please on that note let's take our first break of the evening we're going to come back head out on the road and finally close out our season-long coverage of the nhl <laughs> Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we are going to start with our final From the Land Icemen, our in-depth look at professional hockey. Last week, the NHL saw a clash of vintage hockey powerhouses when the Vegas Golden Knights (laughs) took the Stanley Cup in a 4-1 series win over the Florida Panthers. Chuck, when you're looking for good cold weather fun, are you going to Florida or Vegas? Probably Vegas, I, I don't. You live there. Is it as muggy and humid as Florida gets in like August? No, Vegas okay. is a dry heat. I'll, I'll take 115 dry, in August. Dry but heat. It's, we it's are a dry. We heat. are getting old when you're. Oh, it's a dry heat. <laughs> Good for your bones. <laughs> Maybe you're a lunger. That's right. I don't know. It's perfect for perfect for lungers. You are a hundred percent right, though, because. About 40 minutes from the strip, there is a mountain called Mount Charleston that gets snow in the winter, and you can ski up there and oh, stuff like perfect. that. So Vegas is definitely the better choice. Denko, yeah. scale of one to five, one being the best ever, five being the worst ever. Where do you rank this series among your all-time favorite NHL finals? 
Uh, you know what? To be honest, I watched every single tap of the puck the entire series. There were there were games. I think it was like nine to two. What the hell was I watching? <laughs> so five was the worst ever. I'm gonna put it yeah. at a three point seven five. It was pretty bad just because it wasn't competitive. But lined up to all the other Stanley Cup finals that I've watched in their entirety, it's kind of on that end of the scale for sure. I've watched one other one other series. I think. <laughs> I do. All right, Chuck, you're the only one of us that knows anything about hockey. Yeah. Give us a one-word hot take on the Golden Knights winning this year's Stanley Cup. Deserved? Good job, man. No, that, that's good. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Moving on. Golf's third major of the season, the U.S. Open, was played this weekend in L.A. at the Los Angeles Country Club. A really interesting venue with sloping fairways, blind tee shots, and weird long grass around the greens. Played easy the first day and then got really difficult as the course dried out over the weekend. There were complaints from past major winners like Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau that started to fly over the weekend. Basically about how the course was set up and how it played for a U.S. Open. What do you think? Legit complaints or crybaby bullshit? You know what? Everyone's playing the same course. Crybaby bullshit. It's like complaining. It's complaining if you lost a game in... in Fenway Park. Well, you played on the same field as the other team. Um, yeah, crybaby bullshit, especially because it's Bryson DeChambeau. I feel like that was like a thinly veiled slap at me for all my complaints about the Yankees right field wall, but <laughs> we'll move okay. on. Yeah, <laughs> Thinly veiled. <laughs> I might side with DeChambeau here, which is super out of character for me. And say it, it, it may be legit complaints. This is a major... And I'm going to take professional golfers word for it. If courses aren't playing the way they should be playing in a major, I'm not saying it shouldn't be challenging. I understand that, but it seemed like from what I read, at least there, there was, there was a number of complaints, not just about the course, but the crowd and uh, all that kind of night and then the late tea times. But uh, I think I'm going to side with, with guys who play way better and way more golf than I do at a much higher <laughs> level. And if they say this thing isn't, you know, like major worthy, then then maybe it's not. I think it's crybaby bullshit. I mean, I watched a ton of the tournament this weekend. And if you hit good shots, you were normally in a pretty good position. And you were still able to survive. You know, you might not be shooting... 10 under or 11 under like the winners were but that's also the thing man it's like you get to a point where you've got multiple guys double digits below par going into the last day of the tournament I, the course can't be playing that hard can't be that impossible to get around if those if you have that many dudes who are out there doing it and you did have you know in that last day you had a couple guys that were double digits you had a couple guys at like nine under and eight under so i mean there were guys who were out there and they were playing so I don't know. I always wonder about golfers when they complain about like the course setup and stuff like that. Cause it's a major championship. It's supposed to be one of the most difficult golf courses to play on for the season. And this was a really unique kind of cool venue. So I think it's bullshit. What did you think about major golf in prime time on the East coast? Because none of these rounds ended before 10 o'clock on the East coast this weekend. As a very casual golf fan, I, I really enjoyed it. Like it was nice to kind of at the end of a Friday, Saturday, and even a Sunday, like, all right, baseball's over a little bit. Let's turn on the, let's turn on the U S open and watch a few, few holes until 
like you said, it was like 10 o'clock at night East, right? Eastern time. So I enjoyed it. Most of the golf that's happening early in the day, I have a hard time tuning into because there's things going on during the day, right? So at the end of the day, it's sports watching time. It was better for me personally, kind of selfish, but you know, whatever. I didn't mind it. I was actually surprised because I, we were in the text group and I'm, I said, something's on this way and it's golf side. And when he said golf side, I thought I was going to turn on something that had like like a, a night game at a, a baseball time. Like, cause I've seen that before where <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. course is lit with the light. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize it was, it was going that late. I think it's a smooth move for the PGA too, to, to try to get eyeballs on a major where typically most of it comes during the day. So if, so if it's later at night, it's the East coast guys like Phil said, it, it was cool to watch golf in prime time. That wasn't like a special event mm-hmm. where Tom Brady was playing Aaron Rodgers or something. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I loved it. I think it gets a distinct thumbs down from my wife, who was surprised at nine <laughs> o'clock last night that there was still hey. there was there was still golf. She's like, "Wait a minute, the Guardians game ended like a long time ago." I'm like, I know it's this is even better. You know, it's like the Super Bowl. She's like, "No, it's not." I, I really liked it for all the reasons you guys are saying. Man, it's kind of cool that it's on late in the evening like that. Strange when the leaders are teeing off at like five o'clock in the evening on Sunday, but. I was entertained. I enjoyed having it on each night and and watching late because it was, I think, a really exciting tournament. So the winner was Wyndham Clark, who is not a well-known pro, but this is a guy who outlasted some of the biggest names in golf to win by one stroke. What do you think of this guy's win? I think it's pretty great that an American won the U.S. Open. So I'll take that. Didn't even know he was American. He's, he's Amer- There's a American flag next to his name. If you look on the leaderboard, uh, I'm lying at least not at the actual event. I don't see nationality, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm also a fan of, you know, we, we've had some good underdog stories in the, the majors this year. Uh, I don't know how the other guy did. I can't even remember that poor bastard's name who made the run. Michael block. Yeah. That guy. What happened to yeah. him? He's, right. he's, he's back at home. Oh, probably where you should be. Probably where Wendell Clark will be soon too. Um, I just like I like that sometimes a guy comes out of nowhere, or even though he's a professional and and holds off major superstars to win it, especially at home on home soil, USA baby. These colors don't run. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, I read somewhere that I think last year he was ranked like 293rd in the world. At some point, you just slapping names on a board right like how are you ranking people 293 yeah. in it's like drafting baseball players in the 40th round like all right yeah. whatever <laughs> like okay that guy sounds good so good for him because i i can't imagine he was on anyone's list of people that might compete for this major it got tight against some really really highly ranked golfers with rory and even before um what's his name oh ricky fowler kind of yeah shit the bet on that last day i mean he started the day tied and so here you had Wyndham clark going up against a bunch of household names and stuck it out stuck it out and just outplayed him and won by a stroke i mean it was close but you know good for him i mean it's this is a guy that we may never hear this name again but you can't take this away from for what it's worth after winning this he jumped all the way to 13 so he probably was I mean, he was definitely in the top 100 coming into this. So he's probably a guy who's improved a lot over the last year or so, even if we don't see it because he's not playing well enough to get on TV every week. But I would say that what was really impressive was on that back nine, 
he's holding a one-stroke lead most of the way. Every single one of these guys was making mistakes because it's a really hard golf course. The difference was is that this Clark guy would make the mistake and then he'd make the next shot to get out of it. And just when you thought, like, this guy's screwed, he's going to bogey this hole because he's got this terrible liar, he's in this terrible spot, he'd find a way to save par. And the other guys couldn't do it. Like, if they got in trouble, they lost a stroke. And he just, man, gutted through down the stretch to to hold on and win that. It was That was pretty cool, man. I was really entertained all day, although I was rooting for Fowler when Sunday started. I kind of thought it was this was his chance to get it, and he just didn't get it done. Big week for Wyndham Clark, man. $3.6 million he won winning that tournament. More money than he's made, like, combined in the last three years or something. All right, let's move on from golf to some summer hot shots, our hot takes from around the sports world. We'll start in basketball. Bradley Beal is going to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. The Suns right now have Devin Booker on the books next season for $36 million. After that, he's going to get an extension that pushes him to $50 million a year. Kevin Durant's on the books next year for $46 million. Beal will be there also at $46 million. Can the Suns make the final with a roster of these three, maybe like a 35-year-old DeAndre Jordan on a one-year deal and eight potatoes? I think they should enter that three-on-three tournament you were talking about. (laughs) That's probably their (laughs) their best bet. They're going to round out that roster with a bunch of nothing. I I mean, that's they'll figure it out, I guess, but I I don't know. Like That's three guys that are going to command a- 130 million. 130 million. What's the cap? I don't even know in the NBA. It's kind I of mean, it's like 200 something, but right? still, so I was about to say like 75% of the cap is three guys. I don't know if the Suns know this or not, but you need more than three guys to play the sport of basketball. And you certainly need probably eight to nine guys to make it work for a season. I think they, they have no one on their roster now, other than their starting five. So something's going to shake out here. I'm sure there are some G leaguers who can make, you know, like, 25 bucks a game or something but it's a gigantic super team now but it's a dangerous game uh when you don't have depth we we yeah. saw those issues with our calves uh you saw a heat team overperform with with guys who aren't superstars so going all in's great uh especially for a suns team that we thought was ready like two years ago and it just hasn't worked out so they go and yeah. get kd and then they go and get bradley beal and but if, if it doesn't work or somebody gets injured, you, you you have real depth issues. And in the West, that might be a problem, especially if LeBron goes to Dallas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. <laughs> but I agree with you. The risk here, I think, is Durant. Like, that guy hasn't played a full season in a while, has had some significant injuries, and I don't know if you can count on him being healthy all year long. I, I don't know what happens to your team potato if Kevin Durant goes down and now you're starting two potatoes instead of one, this becomes a weird thing. <laughs> so I, I don't know, right. I tend to think that salary caps are bullshit and they'll find a way to like structure people in a way that they can get some pieces in there that are going to help. And these guys can be really dangerous because Booker Durant and Beal is a hell of a big three to have, but I'm not sure I see it moving on. Bob Huggins. Hasn't had a great couple of months. After getting punished for using an anti-gay slur on a radio show, Huggins got arrested this weekend for DUI with a blood alcohol content of 
which is way more than double the legal limit. Uh, he resigned as West Virginia's head coach. Are we ever seeing this guy on a sideline again? Uh, I can mention another guy, and his name is Rick Patino, who should never be on another sideline <laughs> again. But where is he? Like he was at, is he at Iona? Iona, yeah, yeah. Iona, Louisville, Iona, and then I think he just he might be somewhere else now, right? He's yeah. coaching St. John's. Yeah, he yeah. got a big he job. He St. John's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, as much of an asshole as Huggy Bear is. I'm sure that guy is going to find a job in a year or two somewhere. NCAA basketball's strange that way. These guys all for for all of their failures in 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 legally or or personally or what have you they they find jobs somewhere they take a step back and you know huggy bear is gonna he'll coach some team somewhere in a couple years and work his way back and be the bearcats next head coach i don't know again i i don't know <laughs> uh, so yeah i kind of feel like that's historically that's what you see in the ncaa unless he just doesn't want to do it anymore uh, that would be the only reason right if he is like all right I'm the worst. I'm done with this. I've done everything I can. I'm just going to go home and yell at my TV then fine. But otherwise, yeah, I think someone, someone gives them a job somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Just the opportunity to win in college is way more important than morals and, yeah. and following the law. So I, I think Patino is a great example. I would have said, you know, five years ago, I would have said well, that guy's never coaching again in college. Like he's, he went to Greece to coach. I'm like, that's where that guy should coach. He should go coach in Greece <laughs> where nobody's paying attention to what he's doing and he can make a ton of money and whatever. And he's back. And all he had to do was take Iona to like the sweet 16 and a big program was going to give him a look. And so he ends up at St. John's and will probably be there for a while. So Huggy bear will probably be fine. My guess is there's some sort of like fake rehab rejuvenate the reputation a little bit, coach at a small D1 school for a while, get him to a sweet 16, and somebody's going to give him five mil a year for five years to, to rebuild their program. Moving on, NFL is doing summer stuff, and several teams have QB battles heading into training camp later this summer. Which quarterback battle do you think is the worst? San Francisco, Brock Purdy versus Trey Lance. Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield versus somebody named Kyle Trask, the Washington Commanders. Leader in the clubhouse is somebody named Sam Howell, but he's being challenged by our boy Jacoby Brissett. Which one of those do you think is the worst quarterback battle? Those are all pretty bad. God, it's it feels good not to be on that list, right? Like <laughs> those are all really even the winners coming out of that, like. Do you feel good about that? I don't know. I'm going to say the worst battle. I'm going to go with Washington only because you have someone we've never heard of against a guy that we know exactly what he is. And that's probably a perennial backup in the NFL. Not, not to take anything away from Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's, he's a very good backup as far as NFL standards goes, but if you're hitching your wagon to that guy to be your starter, well, we've seen how that works out and uh, it's not going to go well. Whereas at least in the other situation, you have Trey Lance, which might be something because he's so young and maybe there's a high ceiling there. And then down in Tampa, I don't know, Baker, it's Baker. But again, yeah, he's not really a perennial backup yet. <laughs> I don't think it's San Francisco because uh, Brock Purdy played serviceable enough mm -hmm. to, to get them there. They do need played somebody. really well at the end. Yeah, of them. yeah. yeah. Uh, and maybe... Trey Lance, I mean, they gave up a didn't they give up a lot to get Trey Lance? Oh, yeah. and they, yes, they well, did. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you'll see him. 
I love the Buccaneers. They, they're like my second favorite NFL team since when the Browns left town. Um, and I love Baker Mayfield, so I'm hoping he wins that job. Please win that job. So I'm going to go with Washington, too, only because maybe we've seen enough of Jacoby Brissett to know that he's a good bridge. Like, he, he's a good bridge. Yes, he's a he's a backup, but he's serviceable, and he's going to protect the ball. Maybe he did it here because the offensive line might be better than Washington's, but I think that guy deserves a shot uh, against Sam Howell. Is that it? That's it. Sam Howell? That's the I would, rumor. I would assume Jacoby can win that job, but that that's a sad QB competition. I think it's Tampa Bay. I think at least with Washington and San Francisco, one of those guys is somebody you think you can win some games with. I, I don't know if you think anymore that you can win games with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. If you ever thought you could win games with Kyle Trask, I'm not sure. So I think that's probably the worst one. But, man, super happy to not be anywhere near that list and not be worried about who our quarterback is going to be come the start of the season. But, fellas, with that – We're going to take our last break. We're going to come back, head off the field, and have some fun visiting the summer silver screen. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We're going to head off the field for our annual summer movie preview. We're already late. The summer movie season kicked off in May, and it's been heating up ever since. So let's play some catch-up. But let's start by looking back for Glory Days, movies in theaters this week in 1995, the summer after we graduated high school. Tell me which one of these you think is the best. First one, Batman Forever, released June 16th, 1995. Also the worst Batman pretty much forever. (laughs) Next one, The Postman. Also released June 16th, 1995, Kevin Costner's less successful post-apocalyptic movie. That's saying something. Uh, Next one, Congo. This was released on June 9th, starring Laura Linney and Ernie Hudson. 24 million bucks in its opening weekend. Not bad. Last one, Johnny Mnemonic. Released on May 26th, Keanu Reeves. Maybe a prequel of The Matrix. Um, might not still have been in theaters by June 19th. So which one of those was the best in 1995 or now? I'm actually going to go with The Postman. I think I only saw it once, but it was in a theater. And the only part I remember is them singing Come and Get Your Love around a campfire, and I love that song. So I'm going with The Postman. I was going to go with The Postman for a completely different reason. I remember watching that movie at the Chagrin Cinema and thinking, holy shit, that's Tom Petty. And Tom Petty was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Like a bit role. He was some like badass dude that Costner ran into on like a ridge of a mountain. I was like, why is Tom Petty in this movie? And that's all I remember from that. I, I don't I don't remember anything, anything else. So of that list, I guess I'll go with The Postman. I feel like this is the first time in history that the postman has unanimously won an award. <laughs> two votes. Two votes. <laughs> because that really was a bad Batman. It wasn't a good Batman. And yeah. the other movies were terrible, too. Although I'm quite certain we had all of these at Chagrin Cinema. Mm-hmm. And I worked a lot in the summer of 1995, saving up for college. So I saw the last five minutes of a lot of the, those movies <laughs> a bunch of times. But uh, why don't we move to present day? How about our Dirty Dancing rom-com of the summer? Which one of these do you think will be the biggest hit with the ladies? No Hard Feelings. Jennifer Lawrence is a desperate woman who gets hired by wealthy parents to have sex with her 19-year-old son. Next one, The Little Mermaid. 
Girl who is part fish, doesn't like her small town in the ocean, leaves for a guy, realizes she is better off in the water. Next one, a beautiful life. Sticking with our water metaphor, a young fisherman with a great voice gets discovered by a music exec and they fall in love. 50-50 chance this premieres on the Hallmark Network. <laughs> Last one, Irish Wish. When the love of Maddie's life gets engaged to her best friend, Maddie, played by Lindsay Lohan, puts her feelings aside to be a bridesmaid at their wedding in Ireland. In some respects, this is basically what happened with me and Danko. So, which one of these rom-coms <laughs> do you think will be the best this summer? The best from, from the ladies' perspective, you said? For the ladies? Uh, what did I say? The biggest hit among the ladies. Because we all know I really understand how women... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say it's the one with the guy with the great voice that might or may not go to directly to Hallmark because you get a Tom Burke sultry voice in there and whoa man the the women I think they just love it. I, we know they love it. We know they love it. I actually think that one is a Netflix movie. So that's not actually making it to the big screen. But... Yeah. Well, I, this is information I could have used yeah. only Sorry. seconds ago. <laughs> but a lot of people watch Netflix. So it's probably going to do pretty well. <laughs> That and Fubar. I was trying to figure out here. I, I know you said one starring Lindsay Lohan. That's not going to be in movie theaters. So I can eliminate that one. I can eliminate the Netflix one. Which one do I think rom com that women were like the most? Pro probably The Little Mermaid. Right? Is that that was one of the options, or was it a different mermaid? Okay, yeah, great. No, it's, it's so there's a there's, there's a not lot two mermaids. There might be romantic comedies this summer because no hard feelings. I've seen a lot of commercials of that, and it looks like a, a raunchier. I don't know, if, you know, like a raunchier comedy. So I'll go with The Little Mermaid just because there's there's probably a lot of young women who are coming of age now who watched that when they were younger and want to see what the reboot look or the live action looks like. Chuck's reasoning is very sound here. Mine was ridiculous. <laughs> A Beautiful Life is going to win the Dirty Dancing rom-com <laughs> of the summer because I'm going with A Beautiful Life, too. We've learned to love the Hallmark movies, and this is just maybe Netflix kind of taking over and adding to that genre. So um, I'm going with A Beautiful Life. The trailer for A Beautiful Life is fantastic because it's just the guy singing and like three people listening to him for two and a half minutes. <laughs> it tells you nothing about like how they meet, what like sparks the interest in the first place. Like what kind of fisherman he is? Nothing. You don't get any kind of that. You don't get any of that kind of stuff. You just hear him sing. Moving on. Rocky Four sequel of the summer. Which one of these are you the most excited for? Fast X, the sequel to Fast Nine and the prequel to Fast Eleven. <laughs> Next one. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Probably going to be the last of the Indiana Jones series. Next one, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Volume 1. What the fuck? Why are there multiple volumes of this Mission Impossible movie? Last one, Meg 2, The Trench, sequel to The Meg. <laughs> this is a yeah. giant dinosaur shark movie. Also proof that Jason Statham needs money. So, <laughs> wow. Rocky Four sequel of the summer. Which one is it? I'm I'm actually going to go with the part one of Mission Impossible only because it seems like Tom Cruise doesn't make bad action movies as much as I want to doubt him. Everything he makes, I've enjoyed. I hate the Fast and Furious movies. Harrison Ford, I know they're doing the de-aging in that, so I will probably see that at some point. But he's f***ing old, so I'm, I'm just going to... They're, they're de-aging him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, it they looks do. really good too. Yeah, it does look really. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. The the de aging, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, Can Mission I be de aged? 
yeah, uh, yeah sure. on, on this screen. No, yeah. in real life. <laughs> no. no. In real life, though. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chuck. I didn't mean no, to no. You. no, no problem. I proved my point. Mission Impossible, those movies are very entertaining. I can't believe there's been 10 Fast and the Furious, and they've now changed the Roman numeral. So are they going like XI next time? Like, who knows? Like, ah, it's very confusing. The Super Bowls. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, live, the live tour. The um, So... <laughs> I'm going to lean towards Indiana Jones. I, I agree with Chuck with Mission Impossible. I've been entertained by every installment of Mission Impossible. And who doesn't want to see Tom Cruise welcoming me back to the movie theater in front of two volumes of a Mission Impossible <laughs> movie in the next couple of years? <laughs> ah, it was weird. But um, I am a huge Indiana Jones fan. I always have been. I didn't really like the last one when I, when I thought that should have been the last one. And now this one kind of, at least from the previews, has a little bit more of a of a Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of feel to it. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm a big fan of Dr. Jones. I got to tell you, I'm not really interested in any of these movies, but I can automatically cross off Fast X. I don't think I've seen a Fast and the Furious movie since the first one. I'm not going to see Meg 2. I don't think I've seen any of the Meg movies since yeah, the first you, one. You'll never know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to figure out the plot. Yeah. How am I ever going to figure out what's happening? It's also a pretty ridiculous trailer. Uh, for that one i think i'm gonna go with indiana jones just because i don't like the volume two of mission impossible like just make the movie and then make another one that follows on why does it have to be volume one and volume two like tom cruise is making movies too long top gun maverick was really really long it was awesome but it was really long and he's, he's trying it again with mission impossible i don't know how much of that is him just on the screen by himself talking at the beginning <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Indiana Jones and the the Dial of Destiny, although I haven't seen one of these since, um, like, Sean Connery was in the one. That's a great one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a really good one. Last Crusade, very good, yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on, um, we're going to do this as our out-of-our-comfort-zone selection. I asked you guys to watch trailers for four movies that are coming out this summer that I thought were a little bit outside of what we might normally watch. And I wanted to know which one you were most interested in seeing. So the first one is bottoms, which is basically high school girls fight club. Next one is theater camp, high school, summer acting camp. Uh, next one problemista, which is a 20 something year old kid who might get deported because his visa runs out. Last one is biosphere. It's not the sequel to biodome. Uh, starring Paulie Shore yes. looks way more serious than that. So which out of our comfort zone movie are you interested in seeing? I'm actually interested in seeing all of them. I like the trailer for, for all of them. Bottoms looks really funny. It looks like blockers only uh, lesbians. Marshawn Lynch looks like yeah. a superstar, man. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. like, he, like, I can do anything. But uh, which one I'd probably seek out first to see? It's probably Biosphere. I was really intrigued by by the trailer. I don't know what they're reacting to. I, yeah. I like the fact that it's probably just two guys and, and one camera the entire movie. Uh, and both of those guys are really good actors. So I would seek out Biosphere before any of them, but I would watch all four. I watched all four trailers multiple times. The first run through Bottoms was my favorite far and away. I'm like, this is the movie I want to see. I, this looks awesome. Marshawn Lynch was kind of sealed the deal for me. But the more I watch those trailers, I, I think... I don't know what's happening in biosphere. So that one I'm, I'm intrigued by that. But what I took away from this is uh, the actress, Sydney from the bear is in two of these movies. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Like, I really like that show. I think she does a great job. 
So theater camp or bottoms, definitely out of my normal, like comfort zone, either one of those things in terms of something I would seek out, I'm going to watch them both and, and probably write up a report. All right. Looking forward to it. I want to pick bottoms, but my problem with it is that it's not really out of my comfort zone. It's a high school movie. Check that box. It's about underdogs. Check that box. Uh, it's about girl power. Check that box. Uh, so that's, it's got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm really interested in and, and would probably enjoy. So I think I'd go with Problemista as one that is well outside of something I would normally see. Looks like it's a kind of a creative, interesting movie. It's about a kid that wants to be like a toy maker, but he's got to be able to stay in the United States to do it. And I think that'd probably be an interesting one that is not one that I would normally pick up. So I think my favorite of those four is going to be Bottoms. Uh, but Problemista is probably the most out of my comfort zone one that I would check into. Let's step away from talking about specific movies. Who do you think is the ultimate summer blockbuster star? Tom Cruise. His summer movies include Top Guns, Missions Impossible, Minority Report, Far and Away, Days of F***ing Thunder. Yes. Far and Away. <laughs> this is a big movie, man. <laughs> Next one, Tom Hanks. Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan. Apollo 13, big, all released during the summer. So was Road to Perdition. May not be a popular one for him, but it's one of my favorite uh, Tom Hanks movies. Also, A League of Their Own came out in the summer. Next one, Harrison Ford. All the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies, the Star Wars movies, the Jack Ryan movies, and The Fugitive were all summer movies. Last one, Vin Diesel. Fast and the Furious <laughs> 1 through whatever. Maybe Triple X was a summer movie too. I don't know. <laughs> Who do you think the ultimate summer blockbuster star is? You know, the, the Tom Hanks run is probably the most awards won by films released in the summer, but they don't, they don't, other than maybe Forrest Gump, like I don't, I don't feel like a lot of summer blockbuster. Like you could release Saving Private Ryan any time of the year you want. It's going to win a bunch of awards. That's a great film, you know, those kind of things. So, great run of movies but from like when you say summer blockbuster like i i think like action and popcorn and ridiculousness so i'm obviously leaning towards vin diesel i'm not i'm not meaning he was he in saving private ryan he too did, though, he to was, was say, yeah. he was in saving private ryan he didn't exactly also, carry it but summer blockbusters he's voiced groot in all the guardians of the galaxy so yeah so that counts too but you know i'm i'm going to say of that list even though i'm a big Star Wars and Indiana Jones guy. I think Tom Cruise is your champion for summer blockbusters because of the type of movie he puts out in the summer, especially far and away. <laughs> was that a movie with Nicole Kidman? It was. Him? They were they like were, Irish. They were Irish. Yeah. They, they fled God. Ireland. They, fred, a, they fled my a sugar and cinema of, movie. Yeah. It was yeah. super long too. They had to run to their plot of land somewhere in Idaho. It was awful. <laughs> Eliminating Vin Diesel, looking at these three guys, it just, proves that there has been no bankable movie star <laughs> yeah. created in the last Good 20 point. years, 25 years. Uh, and they're all really Hanks is the quality of those films you're mentioning. I would put him like, those are the ones I like the best, but, but I enjoy Tom Cruise movies and Phil explained it perfectly. Like a lot of popcorn, be really entertained over the top action. Tom Cruise is probably the King of summer. I, I can't help but think that there's a little recency bias with Cruz because Top Gun Maverick like saved movies last summer and maybe saved America after the pandemic. 
you know, I mean, that, that was, didn't that was, <laughs> when that happened, he should win the award. <laughs> my, I guess my problem with Cruz is that so much of it is based on the mission impossible movies. And I just like, I've lost track of them. Like the first one was awesome after that. I don't know. Like they're great, but are they really just kind of action movies? Are they really any different than like the James Bond movies that were being made at the same time? I don't know. I'm going with Harrison Ford, man. Th- those are three iconic franchises Raiders of the Lost Ark Star Wars and his run as like Jack Ryan in was it clear and present danger Patriot games those movies man those were fantastic movies so I'm gonna give it to Harrison Ford I I I was actually surprised I thought for sure when I started making this list that it was Cruz but I think overall I like Harrison Ford's body of work better for this summer which movie are you looking forward to seeing the most Asteroid City Wes Anderson's latest movie starring Tom Hanks and a whole bunch of other people that came out this weekend. The Flash, more like Marvel comic book action stuff. Oppenheimer, uh, the movie about the creation of the first atomic bomb that I think was directed by Christopher Nolan. And Barbie, this is something about Barbie or anything else that you've seen out there that you're interested in. I think Barbie looks the most fun, to be honest. Like watching that trailer just looks like the way they shot it, the colors, I think Gosling is going to be fantastic in it. But I really love Christopher Nolan movies. And I don't think some are blockbuster with Oppenheimer about the atomic bomb, but every movie I've ever seen him make is fantastic. So that'll be the one I'm looking most forward to. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters, to be honest. I, <laughs> I don't know uh, if I'll see any of these movies in theaters, but that's the one knowing that it's going to be a really good film. I am a big fan of Christopher Nolan stuff too. And I am absolutely not going to see that in the theater for this reason. They're too long. I can't sit, I, I need like watching those at home. It's perfect. Like what was the, the last few of them were like three and a half hours long. And I love their, the, the movie, the way he, he presents a film is, is interesting to me and I get into it, but I need to pause the movie and get up and go to the bathroom and grab another beer and come back and sit down and enjoy it. So I don't know that I'm going to see that in the theater. That's probably the best movie on that list. The Wes Anderson one, I keep seeing previews for that. That looks like a, a pretty cool, wild kind of, well, Wes Anderson type film. I don't know that I, again, I don't know that I get drawn to the theater to see that kind of thing, though. So I, I'm I'm not sure. I've been to the theater for two summer blockbusters already. Both were comic booky, the the Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Across the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie. And I saw the Barbie trailer for both of in front of both of those movies. And I saw the Flash trailer in front of both of those movies. And I think what I took home from all this is, Maybe I'm done for the summer. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna love seeing the Oppenheimer movie. Uh, I'm a history nerd at, at at my heart, and that's a really interesting topic. Uh, and so I'll I'll be interested in that one. Uh, but it's not really a pick you up, feel good summer movie. I don't think so. Uh, Asteroid City is the one I'm looking forward to. I love Wes Anderson's movies, man. Yeah. I I never watch one of those and don't enjoy it. So I'm going with Asteroid City is the one I'm looking forward to most this summer. I will not see any of them in the theater. I'm sure I will wait till they're available on my television set. That's it for our summer movie preview. Uh, Let's move on and talk just a little bit of music with our first ever One Ear Wonder, a quick take on a new album by a new band. So this weekend, I asked you guys to listen to The Winding Way, a new album by the Teskey Brothers. Pesky good or pesky bad? What do you think of the Teskey Brothers? I enjoyed it. I'll start with that. I, I when I started listening to it, I was not in the right 
um, mood. I think uh, it's it's clearly, you know, so it is soul. There there are parts of this album that that feel like Otis Redding, Bill Withers kind of Absolutely. kind of stuff, right? Yep. And it, so I knew, all right, it's soul. I'm going to get into a sad song, right? This is going to be a sad song. This is going to be another sad song. Oh, look, another sad song. Oh, this one's about hope. And then another sad song. And I, so when I started listening to that first day, I got through about three tracks. I'm like, I, I, I'm just not in the right frame of mind to listen to it. So I put it off. Since then, I've listened to it way more times than the required once. And I really <laughs> enjoy it. Like, I really enjoy it. Like these guys, they're out of nowhere good but it made me feel like i was listening to one of those old school soul artists to be honest it's pesky good uh if not pesky great i love this type of music oh, wow. and the fact that uh two white guys from australia yeah. and my same note that phil said i didn't know otis redding was reincarnated as a white guy from australia yeah, right it could have sounds exactly like him and sometimes it feels a little al greeny uh, this is sometimes my favorite genre of music, depending where I'm at in my life. And it sounds great. It's like, even though they like feel sad songs, but it's like smile on your face music. It's infectious. It's pure yeah. soul. First time I heard it, one of their songs, I'm like, gosh, this sounds just like Otis Redding. This must be Otis Redding. And then I looked at, you know, my phone and looked at Spotify. And it's like, no, this is the Teskey brothers. I'm like, who are these guys? And then I looked at a picture of them. Holy cow. These are white guys. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I really like it. I think it's really great background music we had it on when we had like a long dinner at home saturday night this weekend and it was like perfect for that um put it on like while i'm working and stuff like that perfect for that really good you guys know i'm a i'm a sucker for any kind of music that's got a lot of horns in it and there's plenty of that um really cool sound interesting band i tried to listen to him once while i was running and that was a mistake it's not good workout music very good chill very good music i'm on the pesky good side of the tesky brothers check it out the winding way by the tesky brothers pretty good album but fellas we're out of time i'm out of questions for now and we just did the whole show without mentioning martha gutierrez serrano enrolled in Hanville High School in Louisiana in June 2022 and completed the entire year, pretending to be 17 when she was actually 28. With that news, that is time to shave, and I will see you guys in Mr. Hummer's first period religion class at NDCL this fall. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Twenty one Jump Street is that what was going on there? Like, why? We're not going to be narcs, though. Come on, yeah, right? Why is this twenty eight year do, doing that? Twenty eight. I didn't get. I didn't get too much past. The, yeah, that's the, enough. Twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. You good. shouldn't. It's good. I didn't. I didn't read further to find out if she had explained why she re-enrolled in high school. I think I knew. I think especially I understood. a twenty eight year old woman. Like, how? What? Like, how do you? Ah, uh, I don't know. Oh yeah. Who am I to judge? <laughs> well, and this one's pretty easy to judge. <laughs> so problem is what this is. By the way, Reynolds wrap is the Simple. aluminum foil stuff. Yeah. What's yeah. the saran wrap? Saran wrap is something. Saran different. wrap. Saran wrap is called saran wrap. I remember when when you guys were talking about that, like I stopped all of a sudden, like, I don't know which is which all of a sudden, like what is, (laughs) what is happening right now?
Uh, and then I decided uh, I didn't really care. <laughs> but <right>. yeah, okay. <laughs> my wife, my wife was like, "No, you were right. Those guys no. were wrong. <laughs> no. You know what you're." I am glad. Anyway. I am glad that Tammy sticks up for her man. That you yeah. let her know that that's yeah. exactly what she should do, man. If we're yeah. assholes, tell us we're assholes. Yeah. Fuck those guys. They don't know anything right. about. We are. We don't know about kitchen food, wrapping stuff. Food, I don't even know what that's called. Saving wraps. <laughs> food saving wraps. <laughs> oh no! Oh, this no. is the USFL. Oh, oh hey, they're going to the playoffs. I think playoffs. Michigan is beating <laughs> Philadelphia. This is hey, it's your team and my team and damn your it. team, right? Damn it. <laughs> I think we just tried to take a knee and they threw a flag on us. There's only 28 <laughs> seconds left. Oh God. Maybe in the USFL, you cannot, you cannot take a knee. Like, no, no, no. You have to run a play. I don't know what just happened. It's you see the, good for the XFL lost 60 million. This year. Lost 60 million. Yeah. Mm. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. Me neither. Oh, the penalty was on your team. Danko. Yeah, I knew it. My team sucks. They stink. <laughs> I haven't watched a single minute. So we have not been covering the or no? Because I don't. I don't. Michigan think so. is think three got... and six. I got. I guess I got to dive back into this for next week. Yeah. Do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can we start? Well, Righteous Michigan Gemstone started. The... <laughs> Can we talk about that? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Me neither. I'll watch it tomorrow. USFL. I just saw. I did see a commercial though, and something I was watching this weekend where they were they were hyping up the USFL playoffs. So that must be happening soon. Jeez, they're in week ten. <laughs> we have yeah. not covered this league at all. <laughs> no, no, by design, my friend. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're too big for that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a while there, I think we were the only podcast covering the USFL. <laughs> This game must are they playing this game in the silver dome? Hey, happy birthday, Chuck. Happy oh, birthday. Hey, Thanks. we're there. Right. We, got it. we sing happy like we're at Chi Chi's. Happy, happy birthday. Oh, happy, happy birthday. Gosh. <laughs> I haven't heard the word Chi Chi's in a long time. <laughs> Fried ice cream coming your oh, way. God, yeah, yeah. Stomach hurts thinking about that. See, the magic hour, revisiting Magic Johnson's show. The show lasted two months. Oh, really? What? Maybe that was the problem. They squeezed 85 episodes. <laughs> yeah, two, yeah. two a day. That's just too many. It's like, it's like yeah. Jeopardy. <laughs> like filming episode after episode. Well, if I can't come up with any other ideas by Friday, there's a really good chance that we're going to talk about the magic hour off the field next oh week. Oh, my God, man. Look how good. young he looks in these things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at who was, who was on the first episode. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Whitney Houston. That's oh, hot coming out. Oh, of man. Jeez. Yeah. Don't tell me you're not getting support if, if Arnold is coming on your episode show. Episode two is Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Davidson. What do you mean black stars wouldn't go on this show? Right. We've got Arsenio Whitney Houston Hall? and Tommy Davidson. And, and Tommy Davidson was huge was in like 1998, movie. right? By episode four, Kenny G is his main guest. <laughs> oh, it's going downhill. <laughs> He's only, I think he's Kenny only G half. was big back then. That's he a good catch. It's going downhill. We got Julian Anderson. Although for right, right I out loved uh, X Files. Yeah, yeah come on, X Files. X Files time. Yeah. Pat Riley, Pat Riley, George Wallace, good comedian. Yeah, great comedian back then. 
Oh man, That's what we got to do? Oh, we got to go deeper. Whether America was wrong later. about the magic hour. Ron Harper was his lead guest by oh, episode yeah. eight. Exotic animals. All right. Yeah. Well, he had even in episode forty, he had Will Smith. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal. I think Magic should blame himself. It sounds like his guest list was pretty good. Reboot sounds fantastic. Here's a here's a good episode. Let's let's watch Magic Johnson interview Martin Landau, Carol Alt, and John Tesh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can blame your producer, dude. Who's your booking agent? (laughs) Yeah. Just Higgins in my mouth for that one. Oh hmm. man, the magic! Hour. I I had a lot no of time idea on the magic hour. Yeah, it went yeah. that many episodes. Let's see who was in his final episode. Up, oh, it won't even tell me. Yeah, it doesn't. It stops at uh. <laughs> they had no guests. There were no guests. <laughs> there was the just last, his the last twenty episodes. There were no guests. <laughs> just him shooting free throws for an hour. <laughs> Saying fuck Boston, like that's it. Oh, All man. right, fellas. Yeah, Twelve forty-two yeah. is plenty yeah, yeah. late for, for me. Sure. It is. Um, <laughs> good time though. Yeah. Good time. Right, Thanks for playing along. This was great. Chuck, happy have a Father's wonderful Day birthday. Thank you, you guys. Yeah. Happy Thank birthday, you, Chucky. All right. Appreciate it. And Denko, I'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, guys. Good night, boys. All right, boys. Good night. Love, Love you guys. guys. Have a great Love night, you guys. Good night. Go to bed. Funny, funny like a clown. You didn't use you.